Well, welcome. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church, to our online campus. And we're glad that we have this ability to be together. And what a, what a week. What a week this is. What a week this has been to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to claim allegiance to Jesus Christ as both our Lord and our Savior. And in, in just a moment, I'm going to maybe walk through what this week has kind of been from my perspective. Uh, but before we do that, I want to encourage you to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 together. And you can also turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17 together. And I would encourage you to, to go ahead and get your Bible and, and go to those places and look at those uh, verses. We're, we'll be there in, in just a second. But but before we look at those passages, I, I came across this verse uh, this last week, and I thought, what an incredibly appropriate verse for this moment that we're living in. And it's Psalm 122, verse 1. It says, I was glad, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go, let us go to the house of the Lord. Of the Lord, and I thought, wow, what a what an encouraging thought, even for us right now. But the context of this verse, the context of the, it's a song of ascents, it's of David. So this was a song that they would sing as they ascended to the Temple of Mount in Jerusalem, the city of God, and and it was the location in the Old Testament where the people of God would gather. And in this Psalm, in Psalm one twenty two, it says to give thanks. To the name of the Lord. It was about giving thanks to God's name. And it's where the king's throne of judgment was in Jerusalem. And so this psalm talks about how they would offer prayers for the city. They would offer prayers of peace for the city. They would offer prayers for the security of the city. In fact, in the psalm it says, and I will say, peace be within you. And it's speaking of the city. Peace be within you for the sake of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your good. What a, what a cool understanding to maybe wrap the context of the verse around the verse so that we can understand what did they mean when they said, I will be glad when they say to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Well, well, what about our context? Well, in our context, Christ has come. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he, he has come. He took on human flesh. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the entire world. And we take advantage of that sacrifice when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, in him alone. And Jesus, after dying on the cross, he was buried and on the third day, he rose to new life. He was resurrected. We call that Resurrection Sunday. You may know it as Easter. We celebrated it a few weeks ago. And then after he resurrected, he appeared to more than 500 people in a resurrected body. And after that, he ascended to God the Father in heaven. Now, two really important things happened when he ascended to the Father in heaven. The first is this, the fact that the Father God welcomed Jesus Christ into heaven, it was a sign that the Father God approved of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. 
his payment for our sins. What an incredible realization to understand that the fact that Jesus Christ is in heaven, was welcomed into heaven by God the Father. It was a sign of the Father's approval of his sacrifice. But a second thing, now there's more than two things that happened in this moment, but just for our purposes here, the second thing I want to point out is that Jesus said that when that moment happens, when he would go to be with the Father, that he was going to send another, a helper, a counselor, one that was like him, to be with us, and he called it even the Spirit of Truth. So the Holy Spirit of God would be sent at that time to be in us, and that is what we understand to be our context now, is that the Holy Spirit of God now lives in us. The Holy Spirit of God is not dwelling in a temple in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in the lives of God's people, the people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ in him alone. In fact, Jesus, he speaks of this in John 14, 20, and he says, in that day, in the day he ascends to the Father, you will know three things, that he is in the Father, that Jesus is in the Father, that we are in Jesus, and that Jesus is in us. And so that's our context now. And it gives new meaning for us when we look at a verse that says, let us go to the house of the Lord because we recognize that it's Christ in us. It's the Holy Spirit of God in us going to, co to come together with the people of God to worship. Christ is living in us. Now, God doesn't live at 4040 Tolly Road. That's the address of our Modesto campus. God doesn't live at 2701 4th Street. That's the address of our series campus in the series community center. God doesn't live at bigvalleygrace.org. That's the address, if you will, of our online campus. But God lives in us. And it's exciting when we say, let us go to church. Open up the doors of the church that the people of God who God lives in can come together to be together to worship God. And it's a special, special thing to say that. Now, I want to invite you into some of the tension uh, that maybe you might feel this tension with me as a person who, with other leaders, are, are seeking to lead you know, our church family during this time. I want you to maybe see some of the things we're seeing and, and know some of the things that we're knowing so that you can, you can maybe know what the situation is. The first place attention maybe that I would open up is recently a declaration of essentiality regarding churches was formed. And a pastor in Southern California uh, came and said, hey, I want to I make a declaration. And he got other uh, pastors to join with him. And then many, many churches basically signed this declaration. And in a sense, they're putting the governor on notice, saying, we're putting you on notice that on May 30th and 31st, we're going to open up the doors of our church because we want to gather for worship. And we want to gather together in person for worship. And so a group of churches from California kind of make this declaration. Then there's a group of churches from Oregon. And they make a statement of unity regarding the reopening of churches in Oregon. And, and they take a different approach. They communicate to their governor, Governor, we want you to change your mind. We don't agree with how you've uh, 
kind of phased the reopening of churches, and we want you to change your mind. However, we're going to stand in unity, in submission to the governing authorities, though we're asking you, we want you to reconsider, and we want you to change the plan. But at this time, we're going to submit. So you have two groups of churches, one in California and one in Oregon. They both want the same thing. They want the church doors to be open. And by the way, we would want that too. We want the church doors to be open. We want to be able to gather together in the church buildings at the different campuses to worship God. But they approached it very different. And my reason in sharing it is not to point at one group and say they're right and point to another group and say they're wrong. I don't even want to do that. It's just maybe to to let you know that there are godly leaders in lots of different churches and they're trying to figure out what is it that God's calling them to do during this season. Now, then uh, Phil Johnson interviews John MacArthur on their program. You can go online. You can watch this. It's an hour long on YouTube. Phil Johnson spoke at our REACH conference last year. He spoke on Jonah. And John MacArthur in this video, at that time when they made the video, he made the statement that he didn't sense that the church at that moment was experiencing persecution. That's his opinion as he's looking at what he understands of the current situation. He doesn't sense the church is experiencing persecution. And and then uh, a little over a week ago, the Department of Justice comes out and it warns Governor Newsom that it, you know, that they may be infringing on California's rights to worship. In other words, there may be some rel- religious discrimination that's taking place at this time. Now, I want to walk you through specifically this last week. and going to start on Monday. On Monday afternoon, the governor released a statement regarding two regulations that were being relaxed. The first one was that church offices could open. That's great news that our church offices can open. The second is, is that church counseling can reopen. Also, really great news. I was really excited. It was a, a real encouragement to know that, hey, we can, we can open up our church offices and we can open up our church counseling. Then on Monday night, our elder board met and many of you have been praying. You were praying at that moment. You were praying together as families, you were praying together in our online community, and we really appreciate, on behalf of the, of the elder board, we just want to say, we appreciate you praying. Uh, Pastor Rick Countryman and myself, we're both elders, we sit on the elder board, and there's also nine lay elders that are on our board. And I just want you to know, what took place in our elder board on Monday night was a really beautiful thing. It was a God-honoring thing. And, and God has made us all very different. And, and God has made us as people different. He's made us to interact with him differently. And as we read the scripture, God does different things in all of our hearts. But we come together and we seek to want to be in unity to really ask God, what do you want at this time? Now, I want to give you a bit of an update. And that is, uh, on Monday night, there was not a decision made to reopen our gatherings at that time. On Monday night. But there was, uh, maybe I would just use the word an allowance, an allowance that the chairman of the elder board and the two co-senior pastors, Pastor Rick and myself, that we would work on maybe a statement to just kind of explain where we're at. And I'll, I'll share that in a moment. But then Tuesday happens. And on Tuesday morning, it was a real joyful time because we were able to share with our church staff, 
hey, we can reopen our offices, and so we want to welcome you. If you want to come back and work in the offices, we want to welcome you back into the offices. And you can begin to have uh, counseling services in person. It was just a really, uh, really a joyful moment to be able to share that with our staff. And so we're kind of, some of the staff is starting to come back. We're going to re- officially reopen our church offices on June 1st. But it was just excited about that. Then Wednesday happens. And on Wednesday, the chairman of the elder board and the two co-senior pastors, we begin to work on a statement. And I just want to share the statement that we worked on on Wednesday. I just want to share it with you as I'm kind of explaining what took place in the week. And here's the statement. Regarding the opening of our campus for large-scale gatherings, the elders of Big Valley Grace determined that our role is to follow God's word, Romans 13, 1 through 7, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Those are the passages that we're going to look at and study together this morning, which is to be in subjection to our governing authorities. Currently, government leaders have discouraged all large gatherings, not just the church. Our current understanding, those are important words, our current understanding of this ever-changing situation is that the church is not being singled out for the purpose of persecution. Thus, we'll wait to open large-scale gatherings until such time that authorities allow. And that was on Wednesday that we're working through that statement. On Thursday, I completed, so I thought, my message for this weekend and sent it off to the team. And then Friday happens. And on Friday morning, the president, he makes a declaration that houses of worship are essential. Basically saying that people actually physically coming to the church building, that that should be considered essential. Now, I was excited when I heard that this was not news to me. I know that church is essential. Jesus Christ is the most essential thing that we have in our life is that we would have Jesus Christ in our life. But I was really glad to see that the president did this. And then in response, later that day, our governor, he came out and basically said on Monday, so that would be tomorrow, that some guidelines are going to be shared regarding churches and how they can open up and in the way that they would open up. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to see what those guidelines are. I'm looking forward to that, to see what those are tomorrow. Then in the evening on Friday evening, John MacArthur, he came out and he said, hey, the president says churches are supposed to be open. We're reopening Sunday. We're going to open up our church services. And I saw that and I thought, hey, I want to make sure that we don't have any confusion. So I created a video. I sent it out to everyone in our church family via email and on social media just to let you know, hey, just want to make sure that we all understand we're going to be meeting online this weekend. And so what an incredible week. And it didn't stop there. A whole lot more has happened even since then. We've received uh, messages from our county regarding all of this. There has been, uh, you know, judges who have made decisions regarding all of this. And and there's a lot happening in our world. And it's a good time to be a Christian. It's a good time to be a follower of Christ. And we need to be paying attention to what's happening in our world. And we need to be praying. And that's what I would ask you to continue to do. Would you continue to pray? Continue to be praying for the leadership of our church. Continue to be praying for our city government, our county government, our state government, our nation's government. Be praying, be praying. And let's see what God's gonna do. Now, we're gonna get into the scriptures together. And uh, really, we're, we're in this series called Breakthrough, and today it's gonna be really focused on our church. 
seeking breakthrough for a church. And, and three actions that we can take, three actions you can take and three actions I can take as we are seeking breakthrough in our church. And the first action, we've already done it, we're going to do it some more in a bit, it is worship. Worship. It's an action that you and I can take right now as we are seeking breakthrough in our church, and that is worship. As we look in our text, an excerpt out of the first verse, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Right there. For there is no authority except from God. When I read that verse, it helps me to understand that God alone is my sovereign authority. There's no authority except from God. God alone is my sovereign authority. That means God alone is the sovereign authority of our church. And God alone is the sovereign authority of the state. God alone is the sovereign authority of my family. God alone is the sovereign authority of the marketplace. God alone is the sovereign authority over maybe my educational environment. God alone is the sovereign authority. God is authority over every other form of authority. And so when we think about this action step of worship, we need to recognize that I worship, you worship before a sovereign God. That is who we worship. It is God Almighty, and He is sovereign over all. He is the highest form of authority. And when we worship, we are worshiping the highest authority that exists. So what does that mean? Well, it means that God alone deserves my worship. You know what? That's not strong enough. God alone demands my worship. God alone demands my worship. It is what is my right response to him. My right response to God being the sovereign God is that I would worship him. Now, you might be thinking like me in this moment, and you might say something like I would say that would maybe sound like this, but I love to come, you know, onto the campus and and publicly worship and, and to publicly have times of prayer. And I do too. I love that also, I love to, to come to church. My mom and I, we were remembering last night, my first time in church, I was a few days old. I was born, and my parents brought me to church a couple days later. I've literally been coming to church my entire life. I love coming to church. I love corporate public worship, corporate public prayer, corporate public times being in the scripture and fellowship. So we have a clear challenge in this moment that is very unique, right? We're in a unique moment and there's a clear challenge and that is that we would increase more private forms of worship and that we would increase maybe some more private forms of prayer and that our private worship and that our private prayer would increase during this time and that is a good thing. That is a good thing always is that our private worship and our private prayer would increase before God. Because we need to be careful in this moment that we don't let any entity rob God of the worship that he deserves from you and I, and frankly, that he demands. The worship that is due him because he is God. And we need to make sure that, that nothing robs that worship. 
And this is the application. This first application that I would give us is that, that we would not let our current circumstances rob us, rob you, rob me of opportunities to worship a sovereign God. That no matter how difficult the circumstances are in, and we understand that many of you are in very difficult circumstances right now, that those circumstances would not rob you of opportunity to worship your sovereign God. I want to look at Revelation chapter 4 and 5 here for a moment. It is a picture of the throne room where the lion of the tribe of Judah is. God is on the throne. Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain, is standing in this scene. And in Revelation 4 and 5, it describes four living creatures that are saying this constantly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Then it describes 24 elders who are now saying this. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created and then these four living creatures and these 24 elders together now are saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then, if that wasn't enough, thousands and thousands and thousands of angels join in, and they all now say this, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then it goes even further to say that every creature in heaven and every creature on earth And every creature under the earth, think about that for a second, and every creature in the sea makes me think even more there for a moment, and all that is in them, all these creatures are now saying this to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And that is the throne room scene in heaven. That is what is happening in heaven Again, I highly value coming together in person to worship, but I want to make a distinction about something that's to make it clear. The destination of our worship is not our campus. The destination of of our worship is not 4040 Tolly Road or 27014 Street or Big Valley Grace.org. That's not the destination of our worship because the destination of our worship is God on his throne. It is God in heaven. Our worship is going to that place. Our worship is going to that location. It's to Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain. And so we have to think of the throne room in heaven, God on the throne as the location, the destination of our worship. The building I'm in right now, I thought about this week, you know, the building I'm in right now, it's actually titled Worship Center. You can go outside the building, you can look, it's right on, it says Worship Center. And I thought, you know what, our person, our person needs to be the Worship Center. Our person is the Worship Center. And if we're at home, our person's the Worship Center and we need to worship the Lord. If we're at church, at the church building, our person is the Worship Center. We need to worship the Lord. If we go to work, our person is the Worship Center. We need to worship the Lord. If we're in the marketplace or we're at school, our person, our person needs to be the Worship Center and we need to worship wherever we go. In Matthew Twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus says that the, the number one thing is to love God with everything that we have. It's our first priority. 
Jesus in John 15, 4 says that it's abiding in him. It's, it's being in him, loving him and being in him. It's, it's this first priority that we have for our lives. And so we need to be a center of worship, understanding that our worship, the destination of it, is the throne in heaven. It is God worshiping him in heaven. And so we're going to take a moment right now to do just that, to turn our attention to the throne room and to worship him. Our team went into the studio this week and they filmed and recorded a song. And we're going we're gonna to use that song to help guide us to our mind thinking about worshiping Jesus in heaven no matter what our circumstances are. And so I want to encourage you during this song, allow your heart to worship the Lord. Allow your voice to be lifted to worship your sovereign God in this moment right now. Let's engage in a time of worship together.
our worship of a sovereign God is incredibly important. And how we worship our sovereign God will directly impact how we walk before him. And this is action number two. It is walk, that we would walk before a sovereign God. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. God has appointed governing authority, and God requires subjection to his, to God's sovereign authority, which includes the authorities he has appointed. And God judges resistance to his sovereign authority and to the authorities that he has appointed. And so how should we walk? Well, we walk in subjection to God. And we walk in subjection to the governing authorities that God has appointed. And we are careful in resistance. Now, I use that word careful very purposefully because there are times when a follower of Jesus Christ has to resist a governing authority when a governing authority commands us to do something that is contrary to what the word of God commands us to do. And so I say we are careful in resistance as we do not want to carelessly be resisting God and his sovereign authority. Because maybe for a moment, our focus was on our circumstances and on earth instead of keeping the throne room in heaven in view. So Romans 13, three, it goes on to say, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. And would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. And so we see that here that God approves good behavior in reverence to what? In reverence to his sovereign authority and good conduct in subjection to governing authorities is part of my walk with God and your walk with God. And so I've got to keep my view high up in the throne room so that I can walk with God in obedience while my feet are on the ground, while my feet are on planet earth. In the follow class recently, I I shared this thought with them. May your private worship of God and your private prayer to God impact your public life with God. And so how do we walk? Well, we walk with good behavior before governing authorities, motivated by our love for God, our sovereign authority, and having a proper reverence for God, our sovereign authority, seeking God's approval above any other form of approval. So Romans 13, verses four and five continues, and it says, for he, this is God's servant, God's governing authority, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of, of conscience. God blesses 
He blesses through his appointed governing authority. And God's wrath is a consequence to rejecting his sovereign authority, which has appointed governing authorities. And so when I deal with governing authorities, I've got to keep heaven in view. Now I want to talk about this idea of, of God's wrath here for a moment. It's saying that there's consequence. And that consequence, it actually comes from God and his sovereign authority. Now, there may be situations where the consequences are not being enforced. And what I want to share maybe is just this statement. What is right is not determined by enforcement. In other words, just because I don't get caught, it doesn't make something right. And so we should consider in all our actions whether we're going to get caught or not, what are the actions that we're taking? Now, I'm not perfect. (laughs) I'm not perfect at obeying the government. I'm not perfect at obeying God. My life is a picture of the need of the grace of God. And in James chapter three, verse two, it says this, for we all stumble in many ways. It says that about people who teach the word of God. We all stumble in many ways. I recognize that I stumble in many ways. Fortunately, James doesn't stop there. And in verse 17 in chapter four, he says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him is sin. So basically, even though I know I stumble, if I know the right thing, I need to do the right thing and not use my stumbling as an excuse to just go ahead and sin, even though I know it's wrong. And James continues in Verse 16 in chapter 5 to say, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you might be healed. So in other words, even though I stumble in many ways and when I know the right thing to do, I need to do it. And even when I do the wrong thing, I need to confess my sin. And I need to ask people to pray for me. In other words, I'm not going to let my failure to be perfect in obeying God and obeying the government to be an excuse for me to no longer desire to do what is right. Then there's the issue of conscience. And God's true peace for my conscience is found only in subjection to him. And I want you to know, church family, that just me as an individual, I'm speaking about myself right now, I just have peace. My conscience has peace during this time waiting on the Lord. I have a clear conscience resting and trusting in God's sovereignty in this moment. Now, sometimes my conscience isn't... uh, I'm not listening to it. And God needs to use an external conscience to kind of help me out. I'll give you some examples. They're very similar and they happened 16 years ago. I've got an 18 year old and he was two at the time and we're driving down McHenry and he's sitting in the back seat buckled into his car seat and the light ahead turns yellow. So what do I do? That's right. I sped up to get through the light and I hear from the back, my two-year-old son say, Green means whoa. Red means stop. Yellow means whoa, waster. And in that moment, I recognized I'm teaching my child something. And my child, who's two, has picked up on something pretty quick. When that light turns yellow, it's time to speed up. And God used that in my life to help me kind of as an external conscience. Then we're continuing to drive down the street and a car God bless the driver. A car cuts me off. And in that moment, I proclaim some things out of my mouth. And I hear, again, an external conscience from the back seat. And it says, no, daddy, don't say that. Say, "Uh uh-oh, 
And in that moment, again, an external conscience is kind of helping me out. And, and God's going to use people around us. He's definitely going to use his word. And he's definitely going to use his Holy Spirit to work so that we might have a clean conscience before God. We might confess our sin before him. And I would encourage you and I would want you to encourage me to do the same thing. So how do we walk? Well, we walk understanding that the blessing of God flows through his sovereign authority and through the authorities that he's appointed for our good. And we walk knowing that God's wrath is a consequence for resisting his sovereign authority. And we walk seeking to have a clear conscience before a sovereign God who knows everything about our lives and nothing and I mean nothing is hidden from him. So Romans 13, verses six and seven, it goes on. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And so God has appointed these governing authorities and they are his subjects too. And God supplies blessings through his subjects. It works both ways, from the governing authority to those in subjection and from those in subjection to the governing authorities. And God is keeping account on all of his subjects and it works both ways. He's keeping account of the governing authorities and he's keeping account of those who are in subjection to him. And so how do we walk? Well, I walk and you walk. We walk with a sovereign God. And so how do we make application? My encouragement to you would be that seeing your current circumstances, however difficult they are right now, that you would see those as an opportunity to walk in step with your sovereign God. How we worship impacts our walk and how we walk, it impacts our witness. And this is the third thing, the third way we're gonna take action as we want to see breakthrough for our church, is in our witness. And here I would encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And we're going to close just looking at this passage briefly together. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This passage helps us know that God's name is actually proclaimed through my subjection to him. And so our choice to live in subjection to every human authority is actually for the Lord's sake. It's for the sake of his name. Our subjection is for sovereign God. And our subjection, it proclaims God's name to those who do not yet know him. And this passage teaches that God's will, it is accomplished through both our good behavior and our subjection to him. And one of the ways we witness for God is by living in subjection to every human institution. God's will by doing right, literally, according to this passage, it says, put to silence. Literally, you could say muzzles the mouth. It muzzles the mouth and the ignorance of foolish people, or, or it puts to silence the ignorance of foolish people who lack God's knowledge. And so how do we witness? Well, we witness with respect and love 
for all people and authority out of reverence for God. And so, I witness, you witness for a sovereign God. And application number three would be to maximize, maximize the unique opportunity that we're all in right now to seize moments and to seize opportunities to witness to others on behalf of your sovereign God. You have influence. You are a leader and people are watching your life. And how you worship impacts how you walk. And how you walk impacts your witness to everyone who is watching you. Now we're going to enter into another moment of worship here. And this song is called The Sending. And the team is going to lead us during this song. And then we're going to come back together and we are going to do something that is absolutely important for us to do together. And so let's enjoy worshiping our sovereign God in this moment.
Church family, we've got the opportunity right now to do something that's really, really, really important. And I just want to invite you, if you're physically able, that you would kneel where you are right now and that we would bow before the Lord and we would seek Him in prayer for the breakthroughs that we're looking for all around us. And my hope is, is that in this moment, I might be able to be an encouragement to you and maybe guide you a little bit in just your own praying before the Lord. I would encourage you to actively pray before him. So Father God, Lord, we bow before you. Maybe in this moment, ask God that he would help you increase your private worship of him, your private prayer to him, that God would help you practically increase your love and devotion to him.
maybe right now you'd, you'd bring the difficult circumstances of your life. Maybe you're, maybe you're in something that's real unique right now and it's a struggle and that you would, you would give the circumstances of your life and place them in God's hands and trust his faithful hands. Give those circumstances to him right now. right now you'd ask God, God, bring to my mind, who is it? Who is it that I'm supposed to witness to this week? Who is it I'm supposed to be a witness for you in front of this week? Ask God to to help you identify who that person is. Maybe on behalf of our, of our church family right now, you'd ask God for a breakthrough. You'd ask God to, to bring a breakthrough for our church and for our church family. That God would work and he would, he would break through the barriers and he'd break through the walls and the opposition and he would become the solution for everything that we need right now. And you'd ask God, you'd seek him and ask him for a breakthrough on behalf of our church family. Father God, we bow before you and we worship you alone, the only sovereign God. You alone receive our worship and we bow before you. And God, we ask, would you help us to honor you? Would you help us to grow in love for you that our lives might bring you glory, much, much glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is both our Lord and our Savior. And all God's family said, amen, amen. Church family, I'd invite you to stand with me. And I want to close in the same way that we started. I want to go back to Psalm 122, verse 1. And just say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And church family, I don't know when it's going to be that we're going to be able to say those words. Hey, church family, let's be glad together and let's come back to the church campus building together. I don't know when that's going to be, but I know that it's going to make me glad when we're able to say it. And so will you continue to pray, be praying, be praying that God We know God's going to lead us, that we would follow him well. Be praying about that. I hope you have a wonderful day knowing that there is a sovereign God who loves you. Have a great day, church family.